Broadcasting on the Drug Truth Network, this is Cultural Baggage. It's not only inhumane, it is really fundamentally un-American. My name is Dean Becker. I don't condone or encourage the use of any drugs, legal or illegal. I report the unvarnished truth about the pharmaceutical, banking, prison, and judicial nightmare that feeds on eternal drug war. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Cultural Baggage. We've got a jam-packed show, and we're going to jump right into our interview with Mr. Eddie Lepp. My name is Eddie Lepp. Uh, I was the first person arrested, tried, and acquitted in the state of California uh, under Proposition 215. Uh, currently, I'm facing four life sentences, $17 million in fines, and an additional 40 years, and $600 in special assessment charges uh, by the federal government for uh, raising medicinal and spiritual marijuana for the members of my ministry. It is been going to court about 18 months now, and it's just been delayed uh, for about another year, 8 to 10 months at least, because of my wife's uh, stage 4 cancer. Well, Eddie, you, you mentioned uh, raising this, this crop of uh, cannabis for medical and, and spiritual use. How many plants were involved? Uh, the first raid, when they came in in uh, August of 2004, there was 32,524 plants, which they estimated to be worth uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 230 or 40 million uh, by the time they were done with their totals. Then they uh, came in again six months later and took in an additional 10,000, 8 to 10,000 plants. Well, now, Eddie, the, uh, the point here. Uh, the trial has been delayed, but uh, the point you want to bring forward is that these plants are of use to mankind. They are a sacrament for those of uh, uh, your religion, and they are indeed medicine, which has been proven time and time again over the years and century of, of this prohibition. Uh, what, what drives you, sir? What, what keeps you going, uh, knowing that you've got all these uh, onerous... Uh, penalties headed your way perhaps i think the easiest way to answer that would to be to tell you a little story that i've told many times over the last 10 or 12 years and i think it explains everything that i do Um, about 15 16 years ago i went into the national center for post-traumatic stress syndrome disorder through the Veterans Administration due to the problems that I was experiencing due to my service to my country in Vietnam. And during that time, I met my wife, Linda, and over the course of the next few years, uh, she ended up getting cancer of the thyroid. And they went in and operated on her and took out half her thyroid and we thought everything was okay and about three months later the doctor told us that everything wasn't okay that she had uh, the cancer had gone through to the other side of her thyroid 
and they would have to remove it. And so they cut her throat from ear to ear again. During this time, uh, because we were both on uh, fixed income and everything and had no money, I realized that the only way to provide Linda her medicine was to put in my own garden. And her weight had fluctuated from around 90 pounds to up over 200 and back down to under 100 in a 14-month period. And so it was extremely difficult to get her to eat and take care of herself, etc. And when we found out about the second operation, uh, Linda immediately got very, very depressed because she had suffered from uh, uterian cancer in her mid-20s where they, you know, went in with a backhoe and operated on her. And uh, she was really, you know, literally scared to death and thought this was it. She was going to die. And one day I went up to the garden, which was in the woods about a mile from our home, and I was sitting there smoking a little sacrament and communing with the Most High, and I asked him for a favor. I didn't ask him for a miracle or anything. I didn't expect him to take time from his busy schedule to just cure Linda on the spot or any of that. I knew better. But I did ask him to give her the strength to fight this. I did ask him to please allow her to realize how valuable life is and how wonderful it is to be alive and how worth living is and just to give her the strength to care and understand that. And I promised him that day that when lose or draw, no matter how things came out for Linda, that I would devote the rest of my life to spreading the word of the sacred plant and to trying to help those that need it the most. And for over the last 10 years, that is exactly what I've done. And, you know, uh, it's twofold as to why I do what I do. One, I'm not going to be the one to break my word to God. Uh, I'm sorry, but they can put me in prison for the rest of my life. God comes first in my life, not them. And when you boil it all down and, and look at the big picture of things, this really doesn't have anything to do with fame or fortune or laws or rules or government or anything else. When you boil it all down, all it has to do with is the simple fact that a man loves his woman and that he's willing to do anything and everything he must to survive. And that's where I'm at. I do what I do because I have no choice. I am committed to a woman that deserves everything I can give her and to a God that I cannot turn my back on. Eddie, you... You speak from the heart. You speak uh, with experience and, and love. The cannabis is a medicine. It is a sacrament to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people on this planet. Tell us about that belief. That well, uh, Go ahead, sir. If you, if you look back historically, uh, you know, uh, at things, it gives you a, a different perspective than if you just look at the surface. Um, <clears throat> an example for all of us is women. If you look at women right now, they're 
terribly abused as a rule in general worldwide. In many ways, we in America are no better than any of the other countries, the way we treat our women. Now, if you go back historically, all the way through all of these civilizations, you'll find that prior to 7,000 years ago, women basically ruled the world. Uh, men were a large part of it. But women controlled the tribes. Women controlled the, the families, the gatherings. And there was basically peace and prosperity throughout most of the world. Then man got involved, and man started taking charge. And one of the first things that men did was come up with this beautiful term called religion. And as soon as we came up with religion, then we came up with marriage. And the first thing we did with the marriage ceremony was strip the women of all their property, all their rights, and everything else. And this has been going on for 7,000 years. And it's similar with marijuana. The marijuana up until 1188 was the incense burned in the Catholic Church. It was the most used plant on the planet uh, by everyone. However, in 1188, the Pope decided that marijuana was being used by witches, and we all know what a threat witches are to everybody and what a problem witches and warlocks have caused for us over all the years. So we know that he was completely justified in you know, telling us don't use marijuana anymore because you very likely could end up being a witch or a warlock which is, of course, why I sleep with a silver bullet and a chunk of garlic under my pillow every night. <laughs> but for at least 20,000 years that we can document prior to 1188, marijuana was the most used plant in the world by all religions. Uh, there's a wonderful book out called uh, Green Gold, the Tree of Life, Marijuana in, in uh, Religion and Magic Throughout the Ages, or I believe, or through the century, something like that. The point is, is that they go back to these archaeological digs for 25, 30,000 years, and in every society, every society, they have found proof of the use of cannabis. They found the braziers that, that have THC still on the braziers from when they were used to burn it. They found the seeds and the tombs. They found the the buds uh, preserved in, in the clay jars. And if you study it and go back over the years, up until the last 60 or 70, 80 years, if you look at some of the stuff written, say, in the last 150, 200 years, some of the stuff written about marijuana is wonderful. They talk all about it being used in spirituality. They talk about it being used in religion. And yet, since Randolph Hearst and his boys did such a job convincing the world that marijuana was a complete separate drug than cannabis, they've done nothing but destroy this beautiful plant's reputation. At one time, it was the number one plant in the United States. Uh, Hopefully, it will be the number one plant in the world again. And that is why hemp and marijuana is so important. There's over 6 billion acres of what they refer to as secondary agricultural land in the world right now that is setting there fallow, and that means being unused. The reason for that is, is they cannot get food crops to grow on it. However, hemp would thrive there. Hemp would grow on every inch of that estimated six billion acres. 
Now, if we had the 6 billion acres around the world in secondary agricultural land planted in hemp, I assure you, virtually overnight, we could quit pumping every bit of oil out of Mother Earth that we're pumping out of her. We're completely destroying the planet so that we can drive a car for another five years? This is absolutely insane. We have got to find a way to come up with sustainable energy sources that do not include raping, strip mining, clear-cutting, or in any other way, shape, or form, destroying the earth. All right, we are speaking with Mr. Eddie Lepp, a Californian who's facing some very serious charges for, for growing medicinal and sacramental cannabis for uh, lots of folks out there. Eddie, the first page of the Bible tells us that God created the herbs of the field and he thought it was very good. You spoke earlier about how we're pillaging the earth, how we're destroying well, yeah. um, you know, the, the, the ability to grow foods, how our need for the oil is uh, perhaps going to destroy our capability to have well, a... It's, it's much more than our need for the oil. The USA Today uh, came out with a compensation report based on data from uh, the Enron Consulting eCorp Data Services for the largest companies by revenue that filed annual proxies through March 22nd. And in addition to salary bonuses and gains from stocks auctions exercises, total compensation includes restricted stock, long-term incentive payments, and the potential value of stock options. The reason I mention that is, for example, there's a gentleman by the name of J.G. Dorsdick who works for a company you may have heard of called Sunco. His bonuses and potential for what he made last year is $49,958,898 with another $26,018,520 in option gains. Now, he is down on the list. We have the guy at the top who is the Richard Fairbanks in charge of Capital One. Last year, he made total with his gains $280,083,843. When you've got Grihay at uh, Valerio Energy making $90 million, when you have Occidental Petroleum's head, Irani, making $106 million, how many gallons of gas got pumped for that guy to make $106 million? I mean, it's okay to be rich. It's okay to have money. I understand that, and I support it. But it's not okay for you to be rich at the cost of wiping out the west coast of Alaska. And these guys are taking home $280 million a year? For one man? Now, something has got to stop this insanity. And the only thing that can stop it is us. We, the people. We are the government. We are the ones that decide what we will allow and won't allow. And sadly, we have been sitting here with our heads up our butts for years now, figuring that the government was there to serve and protect. People need to realize that they're there to screw and prosecute.
<laughs> Very true. Uh, Eddie, let me ask you something. I, I noticed that today, as we're doing this interview, that uh, oil has climbed over uh, $72 a per barrel. Yes, a barrel based on fear of a shortage. And yet there is no current shortage. It is just manipulation and uh, record multi-billion dollar profits for the oil companies. Uh, well, it's, it's again, been... when you're paying a man, a single man, a hundred million dollars a year, what the hell do you expect? We are a bunch of idiots. How can we sit here collectively as a nation, as, as a world, and say that it is okay for literally hundreds of thousands of people to starve daily, millions to go without health care, untold more thousands to be homeless? All of this is okay? While we're paying somebody $300 million a year, I, I'm sorry, but that's wrong. That's wrong in the eyes of God. That's wrong in the eyes of man. Well, that is morally wrong. And if, if we reach back to the early part of the 20th century, there was a, a medicine that was uh, recognized. I think there were 28 varieties of cannabis products on the market uh, that uh, cannabis was used illegally as a sacrament uh, in, in many nations around this world. And it was with the, the venture, if you will, of the DuPonts and uh, uh, with the help of uh, Harry J. Anslinger and uh, Mr. William Randolph Hearst that created this hysteria and that, in fact, made oil the uh, predominant product and took away the ability of cannabis to provide that for that need. Well, again, if you study it and look over history, you'll see that uh, Mr. Azinger and DuPont and the rest of those guys were actually just pawns uh, of Mr. Hearst. And Mr. Hearst was in bed with the uh, president and the rest of the political power people in uh, Washington. Now, the reason for that, and this is what's important that people need to understand, the reason Hearst had all of that power a lot of people think it was because he owned 250 newspapers. That's not true. The reason he had all that power was he not only owned 250 newspapers, but he owned all of the newspaper, literally all of it. He was the only one that manufactured newsprint paper because he controlled millions upon millions of acres of timberland. So even the newspapers that he didn't own, if they didn't write along the lines of what he endorsed or went along with, he raised the price of their papers so bad he put them out of business. And he did it all the time. That's how he acquired the 250 newspapers. So you can see where a corporation with money is able to manipulate and do virtually whatever they want. Here is a man, because he had the corporate structure and the financial situation, that he was literally able to convince an entire nation that marijuana was a new drug. When over 60% of the people in this nation used cannabis at the time, but they did not realize marijuana was cannabis. The average normal guy cannot do that. These are the kinds of things that can only be done with corporate power and political influence. And because he owned the newspapers, he owned the politicians. 
And he did own all of the newspapers because he controlled all the paper. And that is why they wanted hemp outlawed. Because if they made hemp legal, then Hearst didn't have the power. Hearst would have just been another newspaper man. But that's not what happened. And consequently, they ended up making marijuana illegal and Hearst a multi-multi-millionaire who ended up having daughters that robbed banks for a living. You say it's going to be 10 or 12 months, early part of next year, I suppose, before uh, you'll be in a courtroom in this regard? Uh, we're not positive. It may be sooner. We're going to go back and try to talk to the judge, I think, in July uh, 31st about a status uh, as to what's going on. So we may ask that we go back to court at that time. Uh, but, again, that's kind of up in the air right now. Well, Eddie, if, if people would like to learn more about uh, your situation and uh, your, your feelings in this regard, uh, point them where they might go on the web. Uh, the, there's two ways to do it. Uh, you can go to eddiesmedicinalgardens.com, or the easiest way is simply to type my name, Eddie Lepp, E-D-D-Y-L-E-P as in Peter, P as in Paul, into any search engine. And I come up like three red sevens at Vegas, so we're pretty easy to track down. Well, Eddie, as a, as a fellow um, believer, as a fellow clergyman uh, in, in regards to the medical and uh, spiritual use of cannabis, I want to say uh, the best of luck. My, my thoughts and prayers are with you, sir, as are, I'm sure, many thousands of people. Well, uh, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to interview us, and I'd like to tell you and all of your viewers that... Uh, you know, we can change this world, but there's one thing that we all have to start doing, and that's start living our lives by the truth. We can no longer be apathetic and sit here and hear these things and do nothing about them. So, you know, how can we sit there and allow these things to happen? We have to rise up. We have to, to elect people that are not going to let this happen. We've got to have people that care not only about us, but about the world we live in and about what we're leaving for the generations that come after us, not people that are worried about how much they can cram in their pocket. Depression hurts, but you don't have to. It's time to play Name That Drug by its side effects. Difficulty sleeping, unusual changes in behavior, anxiety, agitation, panic attacks, hostility, aggressiveness, impulsivity, hyperactivity, depression, and suicide. Time's up. The answer from Lilly Laboratories' website. Ask your doctor about Cymbalta. The drug czar recently declared that Plan Columbia, the U.S. anti-coca campaign, is a success. He said this late Friday, last week, when the U.S. Office of National Drug Control Policy announced that cocaine production in Colombia had increased by at least 20 to 25 percent in 2005 over the previous year. This may lead some to ask just how the czar defines success. His reasoning is actually simple. Some areas where U.S.-led eradication efforts were concentrated reportedly saw a minor decline in coca production last year. Unfortunately, that decline was more than made up for by increased cultivation in other parts of Colombia. We know this because in 2005, for the first time, we looked in some of those other areas. Estimating illegal drug production is less a science than an art. In countries like Colombia or Afghanistan, the U.S. and or the U.N. conduct aerial surveillance over selected areas as well as interviewing farmers and local officials. We know nothing about places where we don't look, so we extrapolate national estimates based on limited data. That's why these estimates are often nothing more than semi-educated guesses. 
by the czar's logic, the $4 billion we've spent on Plan Colombia in the past few years weren't simply flushed down a drain. Here in the real world, however, we can plainly see that nearly a decade of concentrated effort has only backfired. It's not surprising. Our approach is all stick, no carrot. Most of the money goes to police and the military to carry out eradication as well as to carry on a civil war. Alternative development, actually giving farmers a way to make a living without growing coca, gets little support. For the Drug Truth Network, this is Doug McVeigh, editor of DrugWarFacts.org. I'm Terry Nelson, a spokesman for LEAP, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. What we hear lately is, it's for your own good. How many times have I heard that? I was speaking to a deputy this past week. We were discussing drug laws and the harm that they are causing. And he stayed on government talking points saying that it was for our own good, the laws. He said that drugs are bad for you. And I agreed with him and said they are. But so is a prison sentence and it harms a lot more people. I don't know about you, but I know what's good for me, and whether I choose to do it or not is my business, and I don't need some government minion or functionary telling me what to do or, or how to do it. It's probably not an accident that the DEA will have their annual international conference in Canada this year. Uh, the new Canadian Prime Minister seems to be yielding to U.S. pressure to not decriminalize marijuana, as the previous uh, Prime Minister was inclined to do. Canada was starting to lean away from drastic drug laws, and the United States will once again bring political pressure to bear and force the U.S. government's will upon others. It's not a surprise that we, as a nation, are not very well liked in this hemisphere, or for that matter, the world. So he can just tell the Canadian people, uh, you know, it's for your own good. Our government is uh, often very pushy about imposing its will upon others, and it's not just its own citizens, but other countries as well. Uh, the government thinks nothing of withholding certain funding, aid, et cetera, to the foreign government if, if they're not, if they don't do our bidding as, as we wish. You know, we go into a country and tell them to stop growing this or that and that you need to grow product X. They comply and plant product X, but there's no infrastructure in place to get product X to the market. Thus, they go back to growing product Y that's easily marketed and sold. I mean, you can't blame them for making a living. Leap, uh, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, calls for the total legalization of all drugs as the current war on drugs is not working. An old cowboy philosopher from Oklahoma, Will Rogers, was fond of saying, if you find yourself getting deeper in the hole, stop digging. And he also said, I don't care how little your country is, you've got a right to run it like you want to. When the big nations quit meddling, then the world will have peace. This last week, the, the Scottish Daily Mail from page, uh, front page exclusive was that frontline Scottish police and call to legalize all drugs. Inspector Jim Duffy, chairman of the Federation, said the approach to drug abuse must be transformed in order to cut the death toll. He said we should legalize all drugs currently covered by the Misuse of Drug Act, everything from Class A to C, including heroin, cocaine, and speed. He says we're not winning the war against drugs, and we need to think of different ways to tackle it. We're not making a difference here in the United States either, and United States legislators need to step up and take the lead in this, as it's obviously the right course to take instead of our government policy of putting pressure on foreign governments to do our bidding. Uh, this is Terry Nelson signing off for LEAP, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. That's www.leap.cc. It's not a holocaust. It's not genocide. It's not exactly an inquisition. This policy of drug war, hell-bent for eternity, has left more mass graves than any despot. Tens of millions of lives not taken but rather life potentials destroyed by our policy of drug prohibition.
prohibition promises to protect our children until they turn 17, when they become meat for the drug war grinder. Okay, that about wraps it for today. I do want to welcome a new affiliate to the Drug Truth Network, WWUH in Hartford, Connecticut. Welcome, my friends. I should also make note that our good friend and regular guest on the Drug Truth Network, Mr. Clifford Thornton, is in second place up there now, ahead of all the Democrats and only behind the Republican candidate for governor. I urge you to visit our website, which is drugtruth.net, and there you can listen to the recent 90-minute report from the 4th National Conference on Cannabis Therapeutics, the Mind-Body Connection. And as always, I remind you, because of drug prohibition, you really don't know what's in that bag. So please, be careful. To the Drug Truth Network listeners around the world, on behalf of engineer Philip Guffey, this is Dean Becker for Cultural Baggage and the Unvarnished Truth. The show produced at the Pacifica Studios of KPFT, Houston. Jap dancing on the edge of cannabis. <laughs>